Uh, thank you for that. Um, last week we talked about our approach, what our approach should be to prayer. Because we know that our approach going into prayer will greatly affect what we get out of prayer as well as how we come out of prayer. Today we zero in on a little more about uh, the principles surrounding uh, the, the war room study that we are now doing on Wednesday nights. Our focus passage, if you want to follow along, is in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. I never want to just rely on the PowerPoint. Always bring your word with you. It's, it's yours. It's personal. Underline it. Highlight it. Um, it it's, it's God's word to you. Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 8 will be our focus passage throughout this study. Let's read that this morning. Matthew 6, starting with verse 5. Yeah. And when you pray, these are red-letter words, Jesus' words. And when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But you, when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door, pray to your Father who is in the secret place. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you openly. And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathens do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. In this passage, Jesus begins His first prayer training class, so to speak, by pointing out some common misuses of prayer and exposing the human tendency to pray pridefully and hypocritically. We talked about this last week, but approaching a holy God in prayer should bring about an immediate sense of awe and reverence. I hope that that impacted your life this week. Let me read that again. Approaching a holy God in prayer should bring about an immediate sense of awe and reverence and humility should be speechless because any disobedience will be revealed in the light of God's holiness. But not everyone takes this approach. And Jesus, in this passage, he exposes it by revealing what hypocrites He said they try to impress those around them by how they pray. We too, church, have to be careful that we do not do the same thing. You see, God is, now listen to this, God is not as much concerned about how we pray in public as he is and how we live and pray in private. You hear that? God is not as concerned about how we pray in public as much as he is how we live and how we pray in private. There are those who may be able to say beautiful prayers in public, but their words will not go past the ceiling of the church if not backed up by a committed life. The essence of who and what we are in public is forged by who and what we do in private. 
That's another one worth repeating. The essence of who and what we are in public is forged by what and who we are in private. So when Jesus said, when you pray, he was not talking about public displays, but your private one-on-one communion with him. George Barna gave a study one time, and he said that 33% of adults in our country have not attended a Christian church in the last year. You may think that's a little low, you may think that's a little high, but we'll just focus on that number. 33% of adults in our country have not attended a Christian church in the last year. These are people who are not active in the church today. Out of these people, 81% claim to have prayed within the last week. 81% claim to have prayed within the last week. But I wonder how many of them know how to pray or why they are even praying, nor do they know the one to whom they are praying. But my question for us today is, do these statistics transfer over to the church? Do they transfer to those of us in the church, those who would describe themselves as strong believers, you and myself, how would you describe your prayer life? Do you know how to pray or do you know why you're even praying? Do you know the one to whom you are praying to? I did not say, do you know of the one that you are praying to? But I said, do you know the one that you are praying to? How is your prayer life outside of church? Or are you getting the majority of your prayer time during our Sunday morning worship experiences? When we pray here, maybe when you pray before your meal at home. The title of the message this morning is When You Pray. Notice it says when you pray and not if you pray. We are to be a praying people, amen? God's church is supposed to be praying People, This morning I want to highlight three aspects of prayer as we focus on that. When you pray. The first is when you pray, remember that you have been invited. This is, this is, it just hit me again this week. You have been invited to pray. Jeremiah 29, a popular passage, tells us, Then you will call upon me, God is telling this to Jeremiah to tell to the sinful people of Judah, then you will call upon me and go and pray to me, and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. I will be found by you, says the Lord. We know this to be a beautiful passage of Scripture But knowing the background of when this was written can change its impact somewhat. You see, Jeremiah was a prophet at a time when the people of Judah have once again been a stiff-necked, sinful, disobedient people. And Jeremiah, the broken-hearted prophet with a heartbreaking message, preaches the same message of repentance for more than 40 years. Did you hear that? He preaches the same message of repentance for 40 years. How would you like it if Sunday after Sunday I came and I just preached the same message every Sunday? (laughs) No amens to that, obviously not. 
That's what Jeremiah did. God had put this message on his heart day after day, week after week, year after year. But through his message, he faithfully declares that surrender to God's will is the only way to escape calamity. But even through all of their disobedience, and this is what I want you to hear, even through all of their disobedience, it's here that we are reminded that God still wants them to come. God has still invited them to come before his throne. I don't know if you can see this. I found a picture. I don't know how well it will show up on the screen. But last week we talked about how the ancient kings... Remember this story? Whenever a common person would approach the throne or would approach the ancient king, in order for them to even speak, the king would have to extend the golden scepter. And if they extended the golden scepter, that means you had found favor in the eyes of the king and that you were able to speak. What we talked about last week, let me remind you again exactly who it is that is inviting us to pray. Let me remind you again of who is giving us permission to come before his throne. It's the same God that made Job cower in fear when God said to Job, Moreover, the Lord answered and said, Shall the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? He who rebukes God, let him answer it. Then Job answered the Lord and said, Behold, I am vile. What shall I answer you? I lay my hand over my mouth. This is the same God that made Isaiah say that we said last week in Isaiah 6, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. John the Revelator saw this same king, and he said in Revelations 1.17, And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead. This is the God that invites us to come before him whenever we want, how often we want, whenever we need. Moses, I think of Moses, amazingly, I was telling somebody about this last week, Moses amazingly was bold enough To ask God, God, can I see your face? God, I want to see your glory. But listen to the exchange that God and Moses had. Moses said, please show me your glory. Then he, capital H, says, God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Wow. This is the same God that created that galaxy that we talked about last week. That's 25,000 light years away. And the Lord said, here is a place by me and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be while my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. Wow. The glory of God, the splendor of God, 
the presence of God. Folks, I've got to be honest with you. This week in my prayer time, in my devotional time, I spent a lot less time talking and a lot more time just listening. A lot more time just being in the presence of God. I've had a much richer time in my prayer time with God this week. His presence, His splendor, His glory, His presence. Church is so powerful. This is just not churchy. This is not a sermony type of thing to say. His splendor, His glory, His, His presence is so powerful that if God were to reveal His fullness, we would literally die. And this God invites us to pray. Not long, just I believe the next chapter, Moses, whenever he had this encounter with God and he received his second set of Ten Commandments because he kind of goofed up on the first uh, set, uh, when Moses came out of the cleft of the rock and he came down from the mountain having received that second set, Scripture tells us that when Moses came down, the glory of God, you know the story, the glory of God was so powerful that his face just lit up. I mean, it literally was glowing so much that it freaked the people out in the tribe. And it freaked them out so much that he had to put a veil over his face. This God invites you and me to come into his presence. It's this God who wants us to pray to him. What a privilege. What an honor. May we not take it for granted. Secondly, this may seem kind of elementary, but oh, there's a picture of Moses if you wanted to see it. I forgot I had that up there. Secondly, when you pray, remember that we have been provided reasons to pray. That's kind of a duh statement, but we have been provided reasons to pray. What are those reasons? To bring healing to our lives, our families, and our nation. This is why Jesus came to give us access to his healing. Oh, the atmosphere, boy, the glory, the presence, the, uh, uh, the splendor of the moment when Jesus said in the temple, for the Spirit of God of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. How many of you would say that you could use God's divine intervention somehow, someway in your life right now? Let me see your hands. You would say, you need God to show up in a mighty way. Many hands have gone up. It might be financial. It might be physical. It might be emotional. It might be spiritual. It might be for your lost loved ones. But you need God to show up. That's why Jesus came. To bring that healing. To bring that recovery of sight to the blind. Even our country desperately needs God, right? Our country desperately needs God. I'm telling you right now, because Hillary Clinton or Donald Trump are not going to be what this country needs. Amen? They are not going to bring the kind of healing that we need. And some of you may have heard this phrase, feel the burn, Bernie Sanders, you know what I'm talking about? Nor trusted Ted Cruz, neither of them or no one have it within their grasp 
to meet your need this morning. Only our God, Jehovah Jireh, our God provides, fellas. It's the only kind of God that will provide your needs this morning, church. Right, Reuben? Right, that's right. Amen. Only he can help. But listen to me on this. He needs our cooperation to do this. What do you mean by that, Pastor? I mean, God's all-powerful. He doesn't need anything. He needs our cooperation. What do I mean? Last Wednesday night's study was more of a study about evaluating your life. Where do you stand? We as individuals, we need to make sure that we are living the life that we need to live. God is not going to show up. You're not going to like this. But God is not going to show up in our lives if we are living lukewarm life. Amen or out. Every single one of us here this morning has something that we need God to move in our hearts. But we need to make sure that our individual hearts are right with God first. We know what 2 Chronicles 7, 14 and 15 says, If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, then... I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to prayer and made in this place. Did you notice the progression there? God just told us that he is ready and willing to hear our prayers. But what needs to happen? We need to humble ourselves. We need to pray. We need to seek his face. We need to turn from anything that might be wicked in our lives. Turn away, church, from anything that might be hindering our walk with God. Turn away from any disobedience, anything that may be taking place wrong in our life. Because God's word also says this in Psalm 66, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Also tells us in 1 Peter, For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and and his ears are open to their prayers. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen, I'm not saying that God is just sitting up in heaven trying to nitpick at our lives just so that he can find an excuse not to answer our prayers. Listen, I believe with all of my heart, just like we as parents want to bless our kids, we want to see good things come to our kids. I believe God wants to bless his people. He wants to bless his church. All I'm merely saying is that if we want God to do God-sized things in our individual lives, if we want God to do God-sized things in our church, in our homes, in our marriages, at our jobs, in our nation, we had first be better living right before God, church. We need to be living right before God. And perhaps one of the reasons that God isn't moving the way we want him to move is maybe God wants to fix something in you first. We talked about this on Wednesday. Karate Kid. Remember that? Those of you who were there, we talked about Karate Kid. See, if you're not coming on Wednesdays, you're missing some really neat things. What what, what did uh, Danielson want from Mr. Miyagi? He just wanted to be the bad guys. He just, he, that's what he wanted. But Mr. Miyagi said, no, wax on, wax off, wax on, wax off. What was he doing there? He was preparing Daniel. I don't know if his name was Daniel's son or if it was Daniel. I don't know. But 
All right, we'll just say that. All right. I don't know what he was doing, but what he was doing, or was calling him, what he was doing, he was preparing his heart. He was saying, look, before you can go out and do what you need to do, you need to get ready. Before God wants to work mildly in our life, he wants to make sure that our hearts are on fire for Jesus Christ. He wants to make sure there isn't anything in our life that is not pleasing before him because he's not nearly as concerned about our wish list as he is in making sure that our life is right with him. Somebody say amen or else to that. Last point. Last point. If you're with me, say amen. Amen. Good. When you pray, when you pray, remember, prayer works. Prayer works. Now, God may not always answer our prayers the way we want, Or in our timing, we know that. But make no mistake about it. He answers prayer and prayer works. Look, we all love the dramatic stories of how prayer works. I'll give you one. It's it's not trivial, but it's it's an interesting story. True story. I... um, I've at different times gone back to where mom and dad live, back in the Steubenville area, and have done some revivals and, uh, back in that time. And there's a couple back there named uh, Greg and Terry Byers. They told me of a story right from the horse's mouth. They told me of when, for their anniversary, um, they went to Hawaii. Um, Stephanie and I just celebrated our 20th anniversary, and I took her to Columbus. It's not quite Hawaii, but it's all right. I'm working on that, honey. It's close, right? Yeah. Um, but they went to Hawaii, and, and every day they would go out on the beach, and they would walk the beach, and, and you get the whole scene. But uh, their very first day, they saw this, and they met this young couple that was out on the beach. And uh, um, they didn't really say anything to them, but they noticed them every day. Well, after about the third or fourth day, uh, Greg and Terry went out there walking, and they noticed this young couple. They were down by the shoreline, and they were walking back and forth, and it was like they were looking, and they seemed to be very upset and very irritated. And so Greg uh, and Terry went up to him and said, uh, is there something going on? Can we help in some way? And come to find out that this young couple, uh, they were on their honeymoon. They had just been married. And the husband was, had been swimming. And when he came up out of the water, his ring was gone. His wedding ring was gone. And uh, you can imagine uh, the stress that was on, the, on, on their honeymoon. And they were just all upset over it. And Greg and Terry thought, this is a chance for us to witness. So they said, you know, you don't know us. We're going to help you look for it. But first, we're going to pray. And I don't know what this couple thought about it. but So they just stood there on the beaches of Hawaii, and they have a word of prayer that God would help them find their ring. True story. After they prayed, they started walking around the shoreline. And and, uh, Greg, uh, who got into about, you know, uh, ankle knee deep of water, and you know how whenever you're, you're in the ocean and a big wave comes and you don't anticipate it, it just kind of knocks you over and you go rolling in the water? That's what happened to Greg. Uh, Greg stands about, he's about as high right here. He stands up to about right here on me, so it probably wouldn't have taken much of a wave to knock him over. But um, the wave knocked him over and he went tumbling and he come up out of the water and guess what was on his finger? True story. I don't know how it happened. Somehow, Greg, when he was rolling around, somehow God manipulated the waters and he knew where that ring was. And God miraculously put that ring on his finger 
and great come up out of the water. Isn't that a dramatic story, a wonderful story? We know prayer works. Yeah. Exodus 2. Now it happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. Then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham and Isaac and with Jacob, and God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them, even though the Israelites had suffered at the hands of Egypt and Pharaoh for over 400 years, God still heard his people. I have one more illustration. I'm not going to hit the next passage, but I have an illustration here. About a year ago, it was about a year ago, um, not going to go into woe is us story, but for whatever reason it was, every single person in our home and our family, myself, Stephanie, Parker, and Jenna, um, we were going through something that each of us were going through individual things that was causing us a lot of stress, was causing us to worry a lot. And, I, and Stephanie and I realized quickly that this is an attack from the evil one. This is an attack from Satan himself, and um, we had had enough. So what we said we were going to do is we were going to write down whatever it was in our life that was burdening us, that was causing us stress, and write it on a piece of paper, and we're going to put it in this basket. This typically sits in our kitchen, but I may have referred to this before. This was called our worry box. And we were going to write the request, and we were going to put it in the worry box, and when we shut the lid, we were done worrying about it. Let God worry about it. And... I'm not going to get out the individual request. That's personal, obviously. But I can tell you this. I looked at this one or two days ago. And God has either answered every single one of those prayers or he is in the midst of still answering prayers. Maybe some of you this morning need to make your own worry box. But let me tell you that prayer works. Prayer works. There are things on here, I'm just telling you, that I, I just thought there's no way that this is going to work out. And God has already worked it out. He's already answered that prayer. Prayer works. Still not sure. I'm going to end this morning, and I'm trying to hurry up as much as I can. I know we had a lot packed in the service. Parker Laban, if you guys want to go do what I've asked you to do. If you're here and you know that you believe that prayer works, but there's, there, there may be some of you that are like, eh, I'm still not convinced. I want to do something today. And again, um, look, I don't know what schedules you have, and I want to be obedient to God. If you've got to take off, then I understand you can take off. But I, I, want to, I want to do this. Hopefully this won't take too long. Come on in. Just put it right in front of the communion table, guys. Turn it. There you go. Beautiful. Put it as close as you can. As close. Get it closer, as close to the table as you can. Thank you. 
give a hand for Vanna White, if you would, please. Uh, thank you very much. They did a wonderful job. This is what I want us to do. Whoops, you can pick that up. We were in Columbus yesterday, and I said, Honey, I need something. I need something to, to kind of make my point. And so this, this hit me. Where is that at? Here on the screen. What I want us to do. In this section over here, you will use this pile of paper. This section, this pile, so forth and so on. If you still am not sure, if this still just sounds like a, a sermon that pastor gives, it's just the words that he gives, I want us to do something. If you have something in your life that you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that if God had not shown up, there's no way it would have worked. Still don't believe in what I say. I'm going to let you prove it. So what I want you to do is I want you to get up and I want you to come up here with these markers and I want you to write your name and then I just want you to put on here, if God has done a miracle in your life as far as spiritual is concerned, just put a big S. If God has done a physical miracle in your life, I just want you to put a P. If there's something emotional that he has done in your life that you know if God had not shown up, you'd, you'd be done. Put an E. F for financial or O for other. See what I'm saying? I'm not talking about, hey, I had a really bad cold and God helped me. No, I'm talking about if God had not shown up, there'd be no hope. If there is anyone in each of your sections that you want to get up and just write your name and write what letter, I want you to come up at this time. And I want you to take your pieces of paper. You can come up even as we speak and take your pieces of paper and write your name, write the letter, come up in each section and take them back to your seats and you can be seated. Brian's going to just play some music at this time while we're doing this. If God had not shown up, there's no way that this would have worked out. Not man, but if God had not shown up, there's no way this would have shown up. We'll make this as quick as we can. Write your name, write and take it back with you. Alright? Take it back with you. Prayer works, church. Prayer Works. I don't want it to be just something that the pastor says, but prayer works. I know there's more people. Yeah.